Again, welcome to Lower Town. Glad you're here. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Brian, um, lead pastor here at Hope Lower Town. And um, I do want to give a, a big shout out to uh, Paul Stiver for filling in and the work that he, he did last, last week. Um, I don't think he said this, uh, but he uh, drove back from Milwaukee. Was it that night or that morning, like 2 a.m. you came back? Yeah. So, uh, and it's not because we, we don't have enough preachers. It's more all the setup stuff is just a pain. And so, uh, but now that uh, I know that people are coming back and with AV help, uh, we're able to get, we're gonna get you more, more of you trained on that, uh, which, will be, which will be nice. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, thankful for Paul and Allison. Um, thank you for all that they do around here. So this is, uh, this is week 20, actually, of, uh, of our study in Hebrews. And we've been looking at how Jesus is greater. And for 20 weeks, it's just been over and over and over. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He's greater than our inadequacies. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's, he's greater than anything we could possibly imagine. And so what was really awesome about today is there's actually a lot of stuff that I want to get through uh, that isn't, uh, I don't want to just recap. We could, we could go back and we could walk through the whole entire book of Hebrews, uh, which would be beneficial, uh, but just for time's sake, I don't want to necessarily just do that. Just remember that if, okay, what is the book of Hebrews about? It's about how Jesus is greater. But he's greater than our old way of thinking. He's greater than the Old Testament. He's greater than the blood of, of bulls and goats and animals. He's greater, period. And so uh, as we close this out, um, I'm thankful uh, that uh, we get to be encouraged by the author of Hebrews of looking at how we have been strengthened by, by grace. Um, and and I, just so you know, I don't have my, the TV for whatever reason not working in the back. So if this is like way off, just you can just shout it out. Like, Brian, you're not making any sense right now. Well, that's normal, but you know what I mean, okay, with the slides. So I'll do my best to, to follow along on here, and it should be, should be okay. So uh, this week's sermon is uh, titled Strengthened by Grace. We're going to be closing the book, Hebrews chapter 13, 7 through 25. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's what we're going to be doing. So I want to talk for a minute about, about generous people, uh, at least in my, my own life. Uh, obviously, my mom comes to my mind. I think of, you know, raising three kids uh, predominantly as a single mom uh, after my dad died, uh, that she has been uh, always there. Uh, she's just been great, and she's a lot of fun uh, to be around. I think because of what we went through as a family, she kind of kind of weirdly blurred the line between like mom and friend <laughs> in, a, in a good way. I still respect my mom. But I remember, you know, even like dating Angela, like I would say things to my mom, like, dude, hey, show some respect. I'm like, oh, that's my mom. Like, I don't know, like it's, we're, it's okay. Like we're fine. Um, that's how she is. And it's actually her birthday today. Uh, so uh, I would sing, but she's not here. Um, but big, uh, big six, five. And so uh, excited uh, for her. Uh, anyways. Uh, thankful for my mom, thankful for a lot of you, uh, especially after the kids were born, uh, to be able to get meals and see uh, faces. I think especially during pandemic, uh, things were a little little weird and iffy of like normally people would come over. Now, selfishly, I'm glad that no one was able to come to the hospital uh, so we could sleep. Uh, if you remember, remember those, those good old days when you're in the hospital and like your, your wife has just given birth, uh, you know, whatever. And it's just exhausting. And then it's like grandma and grandpa and all these people want to come in and see the kid. And it's like, would you leave us alone? That's how I feel. But I love, I love my in-laws. Don't hear that. I, I love everyone. I love them all. 
Uh, but it's it's. Uh, but I am very grateful. Even we have neighbors um, who don't know Jesus, uh, but just wanted to show generosity. And uh, the one of the big ones I asked Angela about it because it's not just financial, right? People give of their time, they give of their their um, their energy, their resources. But I, I remember, and I'll always forget this. And I don't remember the guy's name honestly. But it was when I first started ministry. So this has been twelve years ago. Uh, that I was hired uh, as a college pastor down in, in Illinois. And we had just gotten married, uh, Angela and I, and I got this knock at our door. We lived like on, on the, on, in a parsonage, kind of like a, a house that the church owned. And we got this knock on the door and I answered it. And it was a gentleman from the church, an older gentleman. And I don't remember his name, uh, but he uh, handed me a check. I remember it was for $500. And, and at that time, you know, I was this, you know, college pastor, Basically, half of my salary was to give us housing, you know, to use this this place to live in. Angela was had just graduated; she was unemployed at the time, and we didn't have a lot of money. And I remember this guy. Well, we just gotten married, so we had some some leftover money. We weren't hurting or anything like that. We just were, you know, poor newlyweds, which was <laughs> join the club, right? Uh, it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and but I remember though, he gave us this check for five hundred dollars. And he and I said, wow, thank you. What's this for? Is this for the wedding? And he's like, no, this is not for the wedding. It's not for anything. This, I just want to bless you guys. Um, and he said, but here's the deal. You're only allowed to spend this on things that are fun. You're only allowed to spend it on things that you've always wanted, but you just haven't been able to get. And, and it was a huge blessing. Uh, I remember I got a, a suit um, that I still have. Whether I fit in it is a whole other conversation. Uh, but I, I remember I got a suit. I remember Angela got this really nice coat. Uh, we got an espresso machine that, again, we still have, but uh, we don't <laughs> don't use. That's always one of those, when you buy an espresso machine, you're like, yeah, this would be awesome. And we use it like, you know, we used it for like a year, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, but uh, yeah, but I just remember, I just remember that guy. And that, and that time, just the joy it was to be able to go and, and spend money on ourselves, you know, um, just the generosity, uh, that it was completely unexpected. I was completely unprepared for it. And, and as it has been, the entire book of Hebrews, that we just see the generosity and the love and the grace of Jesus that he just pours out and he lavishes on us his grace and his love and his mercy and his compassion and his generosity that they may, he made a sacrifice just like friends and family do for us. They make a sacrifice and, and honestly expect nothing, nothing in return. So uh, this, this passage, it's, it's a longer chunk. It would probably be beneficial to have split it up into two different sermons, but just for the time, time's sake, we're gonna, I'm going to go through. So it may seem very disjointed. If I gave you an outline, it'd be like, I'm not seeing the flow here. It's because there isn't one. Um, I even kind of pieced it apart, kind of took the chapter and moved some verses around. We will read all the verses, um, but just not in the right order, if that makes sense. I was trying to make it uh, work a little bit better for just our time this morning. So the first thing, as far as point uh, one, is imitate my faith. And this is uh, one of these passages that you read in Scripture uh, that are very humbling. I think especially for anybody uh, who uh, is in leadership or at a church or in ministry in general. These are heavy verses. Uh, These are verses that, if I wasn't uh, a believer in the sovereignty of God, would keep me up at night. Um. They're incredibly humbling. And so I want to walk through these verses. So starting off, just our first verse that we're going to be looking at is is verse 7 is this. Remember your leaders, 
those who spoke to you in the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Those are humbling words in the sense of, do I want all of you to live the way I live, <laughs> right? Do I want all of my, my friends and my family to say, man, Brian is a champion of faith. He has uh, unwavering faith, which that's not true, <laughs> right? I've got my ups and downs. I've got my good days and bad days, just like anybody else. But can I honestly look you in the eyes and say, no, I want you to have faith that I have. I, yeah, I guess, maybe. The Apostle Paul says this more clearly in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, and then 11, 1. He says this, so whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that many, but that of many that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I, and I think the Apostle Paul, the author of Hebrews there is saying, hey, you, I want you to intimidate me, but not me. Not me personally, not my failures, not my sin, not my inadequacies, but my faith. Can I encourage you? And in the same way, the Apostle Paul says, and I want you to imitate me, not because of who I am, but because of who Christ is, because of who my Lord and my Savior is. And this year, I've been in full-time ministry now for 12 years. And this, year, this past year has been rough, right? I and mean, this has been a rough year. Uh, it's been hard. It's been hard for a lot of churches uh, financially. It's been hard for a lot of, of my pastors and friends that I know several that have had to step down for ministry uh, during the pandemic. Uh, there's just been a lot of things. It's been very difficult, incredibly difficult, and it's been hard. And so I, I think I can say this, if I want you to imitate me, as I am Christ, or I want you to imitate my faith, that I need to, I need to ask your forgiveness for errors that have, may have popped up in me this past year. Uh, idols have been exposed in my own heart over the past year of control, of I want it this way, like this is what I think is right. Greediness. There have been a lot of that, a lot of fear, anxiety, inadequacy. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing good enough. I'm not I'm just not uh, working up to what I should be doing, fill in the blank. Uh, doubts of fear that pop in my head, but I'm not too proud to say that we, and by we, I mean myself and all the leadership at Hope, but specifically at Lower Town with, with our elders, with Josh and Paul, uh, that I don't think we're too proud to say that, yeah, we're not perfect, <laughs> uh, but we, we honestly tried to, to, to brave these waters as best we could to navigate them, uh, to trying to honor Christ the best as we could, well, were mistakes made? Maybe, possibly. I think time will tell. Um, but it's been, it's been difficult. It's been difficult with issues on gospel and race. It's been difficult with politics, obviously with, with COVID, whether we needed to stop meeting only online or we're going to reopen. But man, how open are we are reopening? And, and uh, it's been difficult. And those are, those are hard questions to, to answer. Um, and so I do want you to be imitators of me, but not of me, not of Josh, not of Paul, or anybody in leadership at any church, but only as they point you to Jesus. Uh, going back to the passage, I'm just kind of skipping down to verse 17. It says this, obey your leaders and submit to them. I kind of wanted to title the sermon that, uh, but I decided against that. Um, right, just, well, let, let's keep reading what the author here says. <laughs> 
He says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. That's the verse that keeps you, keeps you awake when you're in ministry. Uh, I've heard it said of people, not necessarily in the church, but maybe within the church of like, oh no, pastors, they're, they're kind of just in sales, right? That if I ever lost my job, and I know a lot of pastors that when they lose their job, they become used car salesmen. I don't know, it's just like the thing. It's like the natural flow. And then it's been said to me many, many times, like, oh yeah, you're kind of like, it's kind of like sales. And it's like, yeah, except it's for the eternal soul, right? <laughs> like it's, it's kind of, it's kind of weighty, right? Uh, it's, it's heavy. And it's not, uh, it's not always easy uh, that I care for all of you, at least those that I, I know, uh, that when I send those emails out every week and I say I'm praying for you all by name, it's because I have a list of all the people's names that get the email and I literally get to pray for you by name. And I love being able to do that. I care for you more than I think I'm just maybe more a little more reserved uh, in my affections and my emotions. But I know, I hope that you know that I pray for you and care for you and love you because someday I'm going to have to give an account. Uh, and that is one thing that is uh, difficult. It's difficult when people leave for any, any, any situation. Uh, that we've had friends move away for a different job or whatever. We've had people leave over this past year because of decisions that we've made and, and positions that we've held that I believe are firm and grounded on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet people will walk away, and those hurt. I, I, uh, selfishly, it hurts because I know I have to give an account someday. And uh, yeah, but I love you all. You hear that? This is where the TV's nice because that's always big enough. I can read through my blurry eyes. Now I can't. All right. I can't see anything. Hang <laughs> on. Bear with me. All right. The next portion here of this is. Let them, that is the leaders, let, let them, let us do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It says, pray for us. I, I love that the author says this. Whatever their position in leadership was, we don't know. It doesn't just say, but the author here of Hebrews just says, pray for us. There's a story of a, a prime, older prime minister of, of uh, Britain, I, and I forget his name slips my mind, but um, after he had won this position to be the prime minister, his friends came over to congratulate him. And he said, it's not your congratulations that I need, it's your prayers. And, and it's, I, I read that story this, over this past week and I thought, oh, that's, that's really great. And I thought, man, but context is kind of important, like tone, you know what I mean? Like uh, of that, like, uh, of like almost like a joke. Like, yeah, I don't need your congratulations. <laughs> like I need your prayers, you know, like this is gonna be a crazy job. Like, I don't, is that the tone he was taking? I don't know. Uh, but genuinely, uh, genuinely, I can say that I, I need your prayers. And I know that there are those in here who pray uh, for us uh, as a leadership team, uh, pray for our church, our governance team. And so I thank you for that. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. And I know that that's how I feel. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you 
uh, the sooner. And again, in context, we're not given a lot of, of detail, but it seems like the author of Hebrews is writing to a congregation that this person is part of, uh, but they're away from it. And that's why that language is used. And so that is this aspect of uh, imitate my faith. Uh, know that I care for you. I love you. I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm human. I'm not Jesus. I'm a terrible savior. And I think you all know that. <laughs> uh, my wife does. And, uh, but I do, I do love you and I love Jesus. And so for that, I think I can confidently say, um, imitate my faith. Not in a boastful way. I, don't, I hope you don't hear that. The next aspect here is Jesus outside of the camp. Jesus is outside of the camp. Looking at verse eight now, it's kind of skipping back up. It says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a, it's a verse, it's, a, it's a, one of those good like coffee mug kind of verses. You know, you know grandma's got it stenciled in uh, on her wall somewhere. Um, that's just stenciled. Yeah, maybe stenciled. People still stencil. I meant, I meant cross-stitch is what I meant, but stencil works too, I guess. Probably even more, more, it's even more appropriate. All right, but it's this verse that I think a lot of people know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we were going over this as, as pastors and, and other people who are kind of walking through this passage on this past Monday, that verse kind of didn't really seem to fit. It just says, hey, imitate your leaders, right? Follow my faith. And then it just writes, jumps right into Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just kind of was like, what? Why is that verse there? Uh, what is the purpose of this? But again, it flowing with the thought that the author of Hebrews goes to, uh, that it's not just a standalone verse. It's true. That's a great verse to, to stencil on your wall. If you're going to stencil something on your wall, it's a great verse. But the whole point of it flows into the next argument of do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. And this always, it comes back. That's why the title of this sermon, Strengthened by Grace and Not Submit and Obey Your Leaders, is this idea of we have to be able to be strengthened by the grace of Jesus. That as we look at the entire book of Hebrews, and, and, and man, it's been so much fun. I was, yesterday I was at a wedding. I was sitting next to a, uh, the, the guy who officiated it. He's a pastor, uh, uh, Joshua Foster. He's one of the pastors up at City's Church right up on Summit. And uh, as we were talking, I just asked him, like, hey, what are, you guys, what are you guys going through right now? What book are you doing? And he said, oh, we're in 1 Peter. I was like, oh, man, I love 1 Peter. We went through 1 Peter. And I just, I fell in love with that book even more. And, and, and he's like, yeah, we just finished up Exodus. And I'm like, man, we just finished up Exodus before 1 Peter, right? It was just, and it's just exciting to be able to, to talk about this, but being strengthened in grace, looking at Exodus and 1 and 2 Peter and looking at Hebrews, the grace that Jesus just pours out on us that in my life over looking at the four years we've been here now, almost four years that we've been a church in Lower Town, of looking at the different passages and different topics that we've looked at, always there's sin that's being exposed. That the Holy Spirit just points something out to me and I'm like, I gotta kill that. I've gotta fight that. And it's frustrating. I know I get frustrated because guess what? I don't kill sin immediately. It just doesn't take, it doesn't, it's not immediate. It's always seasons in terms of agriculture and bearing fruit. And it's this long and arduous task of killing sin. But I can always remember and I can always be strengthened by grace that, that Jesus has demonstrated so beautifully for me, for us he says, be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefit, benefited those devoted to them. And again, just in context of looking at this religious um, uh, celebration, uh, religious days where we have these feasts 
uh, these taf- tabernacles and all these different things that they would do, a uh, celebration of booths and Day of Atonement, and they would have these meals together. Uh, and the, the big, a big phrase that's been coming out a lot recently has been Shabbat Shalom, <laughs> right? This idea, of, I'm not trying to laugh at that. I just, it's kind of an inside joke with me and a couple other guys on staff where it just seems like it's everywhere. It's perpetuating everything. Oh, I just need a Shabbat. I need to have a Sabbath. I need to rest. And it's just this idea, though, that if I, I can do that and I can be, but I can become legalistic about resting. And that's not what's, I need to be strengthened by grace, not by works. And that's the whole idea of this. And then continuing with that same idea that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go, why? Because we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. There's something greater about Jesus, that there's something about who he is, that he makes this altar that is beautiful, that is to be desired, that it's his blood that is shed, not something of an animal that just is insignificant and doesn't work. And again, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning that even though this altar, it seems like we look back at the Old Testament, that's what the author of Hebrews is doing, saying, hey, let's look back at the Old Testament. It wasn't adequate. Why? Because there was something greater that was even before all these laws came into place. Over and over, the author makes those arguments throughout the book. It says, be strengthened by grace, for we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside of the camp. On Thursday, uh, as you know, uh, Paul and I teach a systematic theology class. And uh, this was, it was our last week of classes, um, which is always kind of bittersweet. And, uh, but they gave presentations. So uh, they, at the end of each semester, they give a, a quick little presentation. Uh, it's supposed to be 12 to 15 minutes. I think one went 23 minutes. Oh, that's all right. Um, he got docked for it. Uh, and uh, hey, man, rules are rule. I'm a rule follower. I'm not legalist. Uh, but if I say 15 minutes, it's 15 minutes, man. Um, so anyways, we're giving these presentations. And this girl, Catherine uh, Myers, uh, she, she took the class this past year. And she works uh, with medical devices. And she says every, every day she's in these labs and she's, she's doing heart catheters on, on pig hearts and all these different things. And she kind of was talking about this, this idea. And she was like, I was really worried about how to, how to open my presentation. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't have an introduction. I don't have a good hook. And, I, and, I was, and, I was, and I'm working on this pig heart and it dawned on me. And, and, and I told her I was going to steal this. So, I, so she's aware that I was going to share this as well. Um, but she said, it, it dawned on me that as, as similar as pig hearts are to human hearts, and the heart of an animal is never going to be good enough for a human heart. And, and just, she just kind of made this natural connection, and she was able to share it with her coworkers, like, what are you so giddy about? She's like, I just realized that pig hearts aren't good enough, right? <laughs> Jesus is greater, and that's this whole idea. It's exactly what the author of Hebrews is saying here. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Whether it's a pig heart or a bull heart, heart, (laughs) or even my heart, my heart's not good enough that I need Christ, I need Jesus, but Jesus suffered outside the gate. This is incredibly significant language, especially to a Hebrew culture that would have been reading this letter. To be outside the camp is to be in exile. 
It's to be abandoned. It's to be even outside of the camp in the sense of even my religion. That you had to be an Israelite, you had to be Jewish to get in the camp and only then could you worship in the tabernacle or the temple. So to be kicked outside of the camp is saying, I can't even worship anymore. It was a really big deal. So this language here of Jesus suffering outside the gate, outside of the camp, in order to sanctify people through his own blood so that we can go inside the camp, so we can be brought near. In Mark chapter one, there's this beautiful parable, not a parable, sorry, it's a story. In Mark chapter one of Jesus healing a leper. Let me just read this story and then I'll, I'll make some comments. It says this, and a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling and said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity or compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof of them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. This is the, the healed man now. He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. What happens? This individual comes to him, this leper. And if we look at the law of Moses that Jesus is talking about in the book Leviticus, Leviticus 13, starting verse 45, says, the leprous person who has a disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. And this is an entire chapter. I just grabbed two verses. It's like 50 verses in this chapter, just detailing if someone has a skin disease, how they, how they need to live. This is how they need to approach the priest, that they need to be cleansed for at least seven days, make sure there's nothing else that pops up. And then the priest can declare them clean with the hyssop branch of saying, no, you're clean. And this is what should be happening. So this leper comes to Jesus and he's crying out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, but Jesus, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. And what happens in this situation, just like any other situation where a leper or someone with a disease is involved, uh, the woman who had an issue with, with, with uh, bleeding, that she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to be in the camp. Jesus shows mercy. And why are they supposed to be outside? Because they're, out, they're, they're, they're unclean. And if they come in contact with anybody, if they touch anyone, now the person that they touch becomes unclean. And that person has to be outside the camp for seven days until they are checked by the priest to make sure that they're clean. And what happens in this case is that Jesus decides, no, I'm gonna clean you. So the unclean person touches Jesus or is touched by Jesus. And rather than Jesus being made unclean, that which is unclean is made clean. That is what we should be strengthened by. That our hearts that are wicked and unclean, that Jesus is the one who reaches out and touches us and makes us clean. But it's not just cleansing and, and even with the issue and the story of the leper and many lepers who Jesus heals. Jesus then is not allowed to go back inside the, inside the cities. 
He says, because he did this miracle, because this individual didn't do what Jesus said, and he went and told everyone, hey, man, this guy, he must be the Messiah. He healed me. Jesus wasn't even allowed back into the cities. He had to stay out in the wilderness, and it says specifically here in, in Mark, in these desolate places. But Jesus doesn't just heal lepers. He heals people's hearts. So again, it says here in verse 12 of Hebrews 13, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. That as we looked at a couple weeks ago, this idea of the two mountains, we have Mount Sinai and the law, and Jesus says, law, you're done, get thrown into the sea, and he establishes Calvary. How? Through Golgotha, this torture place that was set outside of the camp, outside of Jerusalem, that Jesus goes outside of the city to be executed so that we can have life, so that we can be made whole, so that we can be made clean. And that is generosity that we don't deserve. That is amazing grace. There's that phrase, the tough get going. Sorry, when 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 the going gets tough, the tough get going. But what we can understand from Jesus is that when the going gets tough, it's not the tough who get going, but those who recognize their spiritual weakness and their sickness, sickness and their death and those who rely on the blood of Jesus, that he is the one who gets us going. Because it's gonna be rough, it's gonna be tough. We know that based on scripture, that if I'm in Christ, if I'm proclaiming Jesus, things are not gonna be easy. They never have been. If we truly are part of who Christ wants us to be, And so what happens as we follow Christ or Jesus, as he is outside the camp, we follow the Jesus outside of the camp. Last week, Paul talked about this idea of Christian ethics. And really for the first time in the book of Hebrews, the author is is giving multiple commands. Do this, do this, do this, be like this, be like this. But we have to keep all of that in light and in mind of the gospel. That we have moved from I have to do these things to now I get to do these things. I get to flourish in this. They're not arbitrary rules or laws. We get to do this. So the author continues this thought after following Jesus or seeing Jesus suffer outside the camp because he suffered outside the camp. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bury approach he endured. This is when we studied 1 Peter chapter 1. It starts by saying to the exiles, to the aliens, to those who are in the dispersion. You've been spread all over the place. We've now been brought near by Christ. Now we're aliens, we're exiles in this world. This world's not my home. Just passing through. (laughs) Remember that old old song? The treasures are laid off somewhere beyond the blue. We'll sing that next week. I don't really like that song. Therefore, let us go outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured, that we are going to have reproach and shame from our culture to a watching world. Wait, you believe what? You, 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 is that really what you believe? Wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. So you're telling me that only people who follow Jesus are gonna go to your heaven? Oh, sounds a little bigoted. Sounds a little narrow-minded, don't you think? Sounds a little old-fashioned. Oh, you, you, think, oh, you think God created the world? <laughs> what? Have you read a science book recently? There's, there's just so many things that we as Christians that hold our positions can, can get ridiculed for. And then the, at the end of the day is not let's put our head down and pout. No, it's I want to live like Christ. 
I get to now live like Christ. I get to hold my head high and say, yeah, you, you can make fun here. You can poke fun, but I'm telling you right now, it's by the blood of Jesus. He endured the shame so that I can. He, is, he allows me to do this through, to suffer the reproach that he endured. Why? What's the motivation for here? We have no lasting city that is on this earth, but we seek the city that is to come. Looked at this phrase a couple weeks ago, this, this kingdom that cannot be shaken. We might feel as if our world, things that we know are falling apart as we look at the world as a, as a whole. It just seems rough. It's rough, rough times and things going on and wars and, and famines and disease, all these things going on. And as the world may seemingly fall apart, as our families may seemingly fall apart, what I do know and what's always true is Jesus is seated on the throne. That no matter how bad, I mean, worst case scenario, Jesus is still king and his kingdom cannot be shaken. We seek the city that is to come, how? Through him, Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice, what, of, of works? No, of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. There's so much power in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, and we acknowledge him. And it's not so much getting all caught up in semantics of, of I know, is Jesus the most historically way to say his name? Is it Yeshua? Is it, what are we talking about? Jesus. I think Jesus knows we mean him. We acknowledge him as Lord. Verse 16, do not neglect the good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. How is it that we can please a sovereign, infinite God by giving him praise and by offering sacrifice that are pleasing to God? And what is that? To do good, to share what we have, to love our neighbor as ourself. And again, not because we have to, not out of obligation, but because we, we now get to. The last phrase here that the author of Hebrews shares just some closing remarks is this in verse 22. I appeal to you. This is how the book ends, right? So we've been here for a while, 20 weeks. This, this is it. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Now, I don't know if the author of Hebrews knew that someday someone's going to spend 20 weeks walking through his book, but Apparently it was brief, <laughs> to him it was. Bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that a brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see uh, you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and the saints, and those who come from Italy send you greetings. I'm not going to get into all what's going on there, because a lot of it we don't really know. But the author ends the entire book with this verse 25. Grace be with all of you. Grace. That there is such amazing grace just right here in these last couple verses, the generosity of Christ that is poured out for us in ways I can't work it, I can't do it to make it better. What's that? That song just popped in my head. Anyone else hear that song? Do it, make it, work it, paint it, faster, stronger. 
I can't work it. I can't do it. I can't make it better, faster, stronger. I don't know what I'm talking about. I can't do this. It's all by the grace of Jesus, period, period. It's not by works, and it's not even by the blood of some animal. It's not even by sacrifice that God even initiated and said, no, if you want to have atonement, you got to kill this animal in the temple. It's not good enough. It's a pig heart. It doesn't do anything. It can never replace the real thing. And so we get to end and we get to be sent out. Grace be with all of you. So I want to close just with application. Again, this kind of goes back to the whole time. So you haven't been here the whole entire time of looking at the book of Hebrews. Just in gospel application, are we looking to Jesus? See him, hold fast to him because there are so many things in this world that wants to take our attention, that want to rip us away, that want to say, no, that can't be true. You're an idiot that we hold fast. We hang on, we look to Jesus, keep preaching Jesus. We can see him in the dark, right? That's what we have to, we have to keep and fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the giver of faith and he's gonna perfect it. That he who has started a good work in you will make it perfect. That he is working inside of us and so we get to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who has shown us his amazing, amazing grace. And we get to go in grace. We get to go in grace to our families who we fight with over every dumb little thing. And we get to show grace. We get to go with our coworkers and our roommates that we argue about every little thing and we get to show grace and we get to bear fruit of doing good and loving others the way that we would wanna be loved and loving our neighbors as ourselves. He who has shown amazing grace, this generosity beyond compare that should move us then to be generous to others around us, to all people, not just those with inside of the church. So as we do every week, as we look at communion, and if you weren't able to grab a, a little communion cup there in the, in the back as you walked in, all we'd ask is that you are a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've acknowledged his name, as Lord and Savior, as Jesus, as he's seated on the throne, we would love to partake of these elements. And as we partake of these elements today, I want to think in particular and remember of Jesus being outside the camp for me, that he was kicked out, that he was an alien, he was an exile from his own people. And he shed his blood, not the blood of a pig or the blood of an animal or some sheep or goat or bull, but his own blood. And so we take that juice that represents his blood that was shed for us and we get to partake of that and we can be strengthened in grace and then we can we walk out of these doors, we can go in grace. And as we take that little wafer that represents his body that was broken for us. That's one thing, I remember uh, having just the debate with myself back then. I, I, we didn't, I didn't have any elders here to make the decision to, to do communion every week. And I and I kind of went back and forth like, yeah, but if we do it every week, it's just going to get old. And now four years in, the answer to me is no. <laughs> so the answer to me is I get to every single week, look at my brothers and sisters, and I get to partake of these elements that, rem that I get to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and the grace that he has for no merit of my own lavished upon me. I get to confess my sin individually, corporately, nationally. I get to confess my prayer and I get to go to Jesus who has shed his blood and broken his body for me. And I'm reminded that he suffered guilt and shame outside of the camp and now as his follower, we also bear the reproach that he endured and we get to partake in his suffering as we remember the elements. Let's pray and then we will have a couple songs.
and then I will send us out in grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Hebrews. It's been so much joy uh, for me um, and hopefully others to be able to walk through this book to see over and over and over and over the sufficiency of Christ, your son, and his finished work on the cross and his blood. There's nothing that I could have ever done to atone for it. There's no sacrifice that I could have ever make to atone for my sins. I needed the blood of your son to show me grace, to give me life. And so God, I pray now that as we listen to these songs being sung as we sing along, as we pray, as we partake of these elements, that it would just be enjoyable for you, that your people who are called by your name are gathered as a family to partake of these elements, to remember what it is, the sacrifice that you made, that your son made, and that your spirit continually makes on our behalf. So God, I pray that you'd receive the honor and the glory that is so wonderfully do your name. And it's in the name of Jesus that we acknowledge that name and his power and his supremacy, his kingdom that cannot be shaken, that we pray, amen.